Welcome to the 10th episode of the fourth series of the Women in CX podcast, a series dedicated to real talk conversations between women in customer experience. Listen in as we share our career stories, relive the moments that shaped us, and voice our opinions as loudly as we like about all manner of CX subjects. I'll be your host, Claire Muskip, and in today's episode, I'll be talking to one of our community members, a fabulous lady from Trinidad and Tobago. Let me introduce you to today's inspiring guest. She started her career in digital marketing and went on to hold a number of roles with Diageo, Philips and Fresh Media before co-founding Caribbean-based customer experience agency, Exco, alongside two other brilliant women in CX, where she's now their chief excitement officer. She's on a mission to advance the Caribbean world of CX, specializing in customer journey mapping, user experience and CX design. Please welcome to the show, our CX sister, Chelsea Costello de Souza. Hi, Chelsea. Hi, Claire. How are you? I'm amazing. How are you, girlfriend? <laughs> oh, so good. So good to be here and chatting with you again, as always. Well, welcome to the Women in CX podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's wonderful to be here. And welcome to everybody who's listening along as well. And we've got a super action-packed show for you today, listeners. Um, and yeah, Chelsea's going to be giving us lots of insight into CX, the Caribbean, and specifically, we're going to be talking about um, customer journey mapping and restoring the journey mapping reputation. So first off, I'm just going to ask you the question that I ask all of our guests, and that is to let us know how you found your way into customer experience, but also importantly, co-founding the Caribbean's first all-female-led CX consulting agency. Yes, thanks, Claire. Um, you know, I studied consumer behavior in university. And when I came back home to the Caribbean, we live in Trinidad and Tobago. That's where our business is based out of. There wasn't a lot of opportunity out there in the consumer behavior space. So I did go into digital advertising. And while I was there, my co-founders, Samantha and Sasha, approached me with this idea. They said, we really need to do a customer experience agency. There's nothing else like it in the region. The one-stop shop really focused on just customer experience. And they themselves had seen what customer experience can do in their past corporate lives. So, I mean, it was a no-brainer. Closed my eyes, jumped into the deep end. And here we are. We founded Exco, the experience company. And we are celebrating four years this month. So we're super excited about that. Congratulations. And you've got a pretty cool job title, right? Yeah, I'm the chief excitement officer. <laughs> so we're all about exciting and delighting our customers. We have a chief experience officer, the chief evolution officer, a lot of chiefs, but our titles really speak to what we do for our customers. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So tell me more about being the chief excitement officer. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I actually focus on the arm of the business that's around customer journey mapping and designing experiences. So I really do spend a lot of my time in workshops, exciting um, customers and their teams to really get involved in customer experience. And I think one of the toughest part of the job is bringing the non-customer experience folk along with us and really getting them excited about customer experience. So yeah, it's a good time. Yeah. Oh, and we'll talk much more about journey mapping shortly and the excitement that can be created through things like workshops. But I'm super interested just to understand a little bit more about the Caribbean itself or Caribbean, as you say it. 
Um, so what kind of, what, where is the X at? Like maturity wise, you said, you know, there's this need to create this, uh, this space and be that kind of the first to move, having seen the success that it had have on, had on other parts of the world through the companies that, that, that particularly Sam had worked for. But kind of what was the story there? What is the evolution? Where, where is the Caribbean, Caribbean at? <laughs> Well, first of all, there's no wrong way to say it. Caribbean, Caribbean, it just depends on where you're from. Um, so we say Caribbean. It but, sounds so nice yeah. when you say it though. So nice. <laughs> <laughs> there's really been a huge shift in customer experience in the region. And when we first set out to open Exco, we started by just trying to find customer experience titles. We said, look, we really are on a mission to drive customer experience. So first we need to educate, we need to empower, we need to find all the CX people in the space, empower them with certifications, with seminars, with all the information they need that is super specific to the region. There's a lot of content, information, mentorship available out there internationally, but it was very difficult at the time to find region specific information that can support them. Even benchmarking is a challenge in the region, right? But for us in the last four years, we've seen a major shift, a lot more CX titles. When you type in on LinkedIn, you see so many more customer experience focused titles in the region, in Trinidad alone, and it's amazing. We held the first customer experience summit two years ago, pre-pandemic, and that's where we really, probably the first time all of the customer experience titles came together. And we had a lot of those who were not yet exploring specific roles or resources around customer experience, but it felt like the foot in the door. And since then we've seen a lot of those companies who attended assign a role that says customer experience or assign a customer success officer. So we've seen a lot of change and a lot of shifts in a positive way in the region. Mm, amazing. And obviously you've been in the community for about a year now. What's it been like to, to be part of Women in CX? Oh, for us, Women in CX was a game changer. We came across Women in CX during the pandemic. Our borders were completely shut for almost two years, I think. And there was very little opportunity for us to network with other people in our space, especially other women in our space who have probably experienced so many similar things to us. So when Women in CX came on our table and we met, we met you and we met your team, it was a no-brainer. We joined the first intro session and we left there and all of us, we just closed our laptops and said, we're joining. Absolutely. And since then, we've seen not only the community grow, it's unbelievable how large the community has gotten, especially all over the world. We've seen other people in the region join in, which is amazing for us to even connect with other people in the region who we would never have connected with without Women in CX. Um, and we've actually recently started a piece of work with someone that we've connected through Women in CX. So for us, we are really seeing the returns on the investment, on the time, and it doesn't even talk to the emotional support you get from your team. It's sort of like a constant therapy session with the Women in CX, and it's amazing. It really feels like a two-way community, and I think that's a testament to you, Claire. You've done such a great job. It feels like, you know, you give and you get. It's not a, a one-way street. Oh, that's so nice of you to say. Oh, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure having you ladies along as well. And um, I just love being able to do stuff like this as well, the kind of content creation partnerships in, in collaboration. And yeah, huge congratulations on signing the deal uh, with the contact that you met through Women in CX as well. Round of applause. <laughs> um, so just wanted to explore that kind of like um 
like women in the region you mentioned that a couple of times there you know kind of making connections through Wix with other women locally but what is it like to be a woman working in the Caribbean um what are, what's the kind of state of play for for gender equality over there I know we've seen a lot of stuff in the news recently yeah yeah you know in in the space in general in Trinidad especially and I know other Caribbean islands face this there are a lot of instances of gender-based violence. Um, so in general, even just the safety aspect of getting to and from work for a lot of women, um, regardless of where you work in the field, there are a lot of safety challenges around that. Um, so women are facing a lot more when they come into the workplace. There's a lot that's happening in the region before they even get into the workplace. Everyone is facing a challenge and a fear. And I would say I've been blessed that, you know, I've been safe and all of that, but and I, I love the Caribbean for so many things. We do so many things well, but I feel like we have a lot to learn still when it comes to gender equality and especially in the workplace, especially in the corporate space. And we've come a long way, but we still have far to go. Um, and I think that's something that anyone who's ever worked in the Caribbean has experienced, or we all have our own little stories, right? I've, I've my personally, I have experienced, you know, some comments here and there where I'm shocked. I'm like, guys, we're in 2022. I can't believe that you think this way. So I do think that we are a little behind in some areas. And I know there are other regions around the world that feel very similar to us. And sometimes I'd be on calls with you know, a colleague in Kenya who will say, oh, I feel the same way. I've had the same experience. So it's a blessing and a curse when you can relate to other women with the same thing because I don't ever want other women to experience the same thing. But, you know, it is sort of an understanding that, okay, there are some regions that have really taken that needle and pushed it and pushed the envelope and broken those barriers for women. And there are some like us who still have some way to go. Yeah. Do you have any examples like from your own experience? Oh, my favorite. <laughs> we had a great uh, client who actually called us his Charlie's Angels. And um, it was such a strong client relationship that it was one of those things where, you know, we thought that the lines got a little blurred. But every time we walked into the office now, a lot of other team members would say, oh, Charlie's Angels are back. Oh, Charlie's Angels are here to look good. And oh, wow, what are we going to do without Charlie's Angels looking good on the floor? And, you know, there were some comments like that that I thought, wow, this is still the mindset happening here. And I think in, in their defense, I guess I probably should have said something like, it's not okay or that doesn't make me feel comfortable. So can't blame anyone for not knowing. But it was a shock to me. And I think it... It, it's a testament to what really happens and you know not sure what really actually happens when the mm. curtains are closed yeah yeah like um, I think it's still even in countries where big progress has been made like those um, kind of like gender stereotypes or and, and basically let's just call it what it is like sexist comments about our appearance or um how um, our value is based on how we look it happens like consistently yeah. across the globe and um I know like that 
feeling of like the male gaze in a work environment like I, I've been in meetings where like the guy has been talking to my boobs the whole time like <laughs> not even hiding it and like the eyes flicking up and down and like but being in the same kind of feeling of like I feel like I should say something but I don't know what to say I don't know how to deal with this yeah feeling incredibly uncomfortable but you know kind of tolerating it and like we shouldn't have to do that right like women shouldn't have to experience that kind of um gender-based <laughs> discrimination when they just want to show up to work and do like what they do with their brains <laughs> um, yeah and in the Caribbean we do and especially in Trinidad we have this sort of friendly nature about us and together in the workplace just out there everyone is friends everyone is everyone's a family and you know that's an ongoing joke they shout everyone is family 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 so we do have this warmth and this Caribbean warmth, which I love about it. And I don't ever want to remove that element of, of, of our nature. Yeah. But I do think that there's a lot to learn on what the line is and where to draw the line and, and not to blur them at all. Because I'm talking about one very gentle experience that there are women out there that are facing extremely harsh circumstances. So when we allow one line to be pushed a little a little bit mm. the lines get keep getting pushed until it's over the edge yeah no I totally agree and it's something around respect isn't it and what starts as wolf whistles and like you know kind of banter lack of respect for women um over time and in like different environments can become something as you said that is uh, much more dangerous than insidious and the problems that uh, globally women face around gender-based violence I'm sure at the start of any misogynist journey, um, it wasn't something, you know, quite as, as horrific as actual acts of violence, but it starts with like lack of respect and yeah, um, exactly. treating, treating men and women equally, right? And you wouldn't be um, staring at a man's chest if, <laughs> during a meeting, um, as, as was my, my experience. That's super helpful kind of context. And um, thank you for raising awareness of specifically uh, the, the protests and stuff that are happening over in, in Trinidad right now. Um, so, yeah, so, so kind of like talking, I guess, a bit more about other challenges you faced as, as a woman in customer experience. What's one of the bigger challenges you've had to overcome in order to become the woman that you are today? <laughs> <laughs> oh thanks um you know one that really stands out to me and not as much now but when I first got into the space I was about 25 and I was a young woman fresh into the customer experience space and I feel like I had to face a lot of questions around you know does she really know what she's doing she's so young but Oh, she came from social media because there's a big understanding of digital advertising here equating to just social media. And oh, she just she just Instagram and Facebook and she's so young. What do these young millennials know these days? And I feel like I probably had to change that conception or misconception a lot. And luckily, I feel like I've spent a lot of time almost having to prove, you know, I'm good at what I do. I know what I'm doing. Um, and of course, we're always learning. I take a course every single year because everything is changing constantly and I love all of these master classes that you have because of that reason I feel like there's always something new to learn from a new person a new outlook a new mindset but I definitely faced a lot of that perception around 
oh, this is a, a young girl coming into the office to tell us what's wrong with our customer experience or how to fix it. And I'm sure I'm sure that still happens behind um, closed doors and there's probably some whispers out there around it. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who face that when you're first entering the workforce. And it's always that ongoing thing. You want someone with all this experience, but you want someone with you know this credibility and this smarts and this know-how. And sometimes it just takes a while to prove your worth and... I feel like I've definitely gotten there, but it was a challenge at first. And maybe some of it was my own insecurity in that sense. Maybe some of it I was projecting onto people's conceptions. So I would tell anyone out there, try not to project your own insecurities. So maybe my own was that I was young and I was trying to prove myself. So I can't say for a fact, but that was that was everything that was the biggest challenge and my biggest uphill battle. But it was something that definitely, definitely I might have played a part in <laughs> that's such a female thing to do is to blame yourself for that yeah but um um yeah obviously like well, I'm like 40 now so it doesn't really happen so much anymore apart from last night in a taxi like I was coming back from the airport I had a cap on and maybe I just looked young because it was in the dark and uh like this taxi driver was saying they are oh, like there's no way like kind of at your age you can't have like been doing all this because he'd asked me what I did and I was talking about women in CX and I was like well how old do you think I am and he was like oh you can't be more than your mid-20s and I was like I'm 40 thanks very much but again kind of just that conception of like you can't be young female and good at what you do and successful like well why not um but yeah I do absolutely yeah I do remember it like when I when I was in my early 20s like I kind of like got accelerated straight into um senior management in operations I was like a general manager of a hotel and restaurant at 23 and everybody that was like at my level as a general manager they were all like well 90% white middle-aged men <laughs> so um there was sure. me like all fresh-faced and, and young and I really remember having that feeling of like I have to prove myself here I have to like prove myself constantly just to be taken seriously yeah. And yeah. actually, um, you know, like kind of hide more about who I am and dress in a certain way to like reduce my femininity or look older. I even remember like going through a stage of like wearing glasses just to try and be taken a bit more seriously, <laughs> like in my early twenties. <laughs> I thought maybe that might help, but like, um, you know, like, I just love being around women in CX with so many that like, you know, young women in their early twenties now coming up through the ranks and being part of this community and. You know, being able to exchange those stories um, about kind of the millennial experience of um, of working in business and encouraging them not to change and to continue to be themselves because I guess we didn't have so many like female role models and mentors that remained feminine mm. and true to themselves so rather than having to mask and try to be someone that we're not in order to be taken seriously like now I advocate just continue to be yourself <laughs> like no matter what don't change and stay true and actually um the confidence that you'll build in yourself means that you won't fear having to prove yourself quite so much um if I could tell myself that if I could go back in time I would totally totally do that anyway so actually, um, go on. you you just give an example that made me remember when I was coming in the airport once and we still have these forms here where you have to fill out every detail, your occupation and everything. And I filled out my occupation and it says that I'm the director of the customer experience company. The guy looks at it. This is you. 
So I said, <laughs> yeah, that, what, what's the question? He says, you're a director. Said, yes, um, I started a business with, you know, two colleagues and whatnot. Hmm. Is this like your dad's company? <laughs> and I was like, no, um, <laughs> this is my company. And oh, okay. And he was so skeptical to let me go through. And, you know, you're always a little nervous in immigration. You're already like a little high on, on that nerves. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's me. And I started to doubt myself and what I wrote. I'm like, what did I write on that phone? Gosh. And, you know, I looked back and I'm walking off like, that is insane. Like the, the skepticism on his face and he, just the questions he was asking, he absolutely 100% did not believe me at no point. That's awful, isn't it? No. no um, yes, I am the director of my own company <laughs> that I co-founded with another two incredible women. Thank you very much. Let me through. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just creating my crown as I walk past you. Um, but yeah, like, it happens all the time though, right? Like, and, and I think that the, the further away you are from the stereotypical de- definition of like success in business, which is, let's face it, still, thanks to the patriarchy, a middle-aged white man, uh, the harder it is. So um, for women that are even further away from the kind of you know, male standards, so women of different races or sexual orientations, um, it's even harder to be taken seriously in the yeah. workplace and to receive the same advantages. So absolutely, I do recognise my own privilege um, in 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 that in that as well. So talking about journey mapping, back to the kind of like main topic of, of discussion today. So you're going to be coming back to the community next week to deliver your masterclass on customer journey mapping. And I'm super interested because the title that you put forward for this was about restoring the reputation of customer journey mapping. The audience's benefit, do you want to tell us a little bit more about where the topic has come from and a bit more about where this uh, like loss of reputation seems to have appeared in journey mapping? Let's have a chat about that. <laughs> yeah, sure. The you know, journey mapping is something that we so believe in at Exco for so many reasons. And sometimes I feel like when we talk journey mapping in so many different spaces, we're not necessarily talking about the journey maps that we know and that we believe in. The word journey is, is honestly truly used and abused. And so it's in so many different conversations now. You're having them in the commercial rooms, they're in the marketing meetings, they're in your technical discussions, they're in your web development teams, they're in so many different discussions now. And the word journey is used in so many different ways that there's now this conception of, well, you know, what even is a journey map and and, and what's the point of it? And I feel like a lot of people that we speak to will start by saying, we'd really need to accomplish these goals. We need to drive culture change in the organization around CX. We need to understand the experience that our customers are going through and we need to change it. We need to make some change in action, some some ideas. And we'd say, okay, great. So the tool to use to accomplish all these things are journey maps, but people don't consider it in that way. Journey mapping is a tool to accomplish your goals. People sometimes look at journey mapping as the goal. Let's map a journey. Yeah, silver bullet that's going to solve all of the problems yeah. within the organization. Yeah, that's definitely not true. And then there's, hey. and, and they'll come to us and say, hey, we've mapped, we've mapped six journeys and nothing's happened in three years. What to do? And so, so many times we'd say even the conception around what journey maps are and why you're doing them is the biggest problem. And one of our favorite stats are that 80% of companies admit to having a map, 
and only 20% feel that they're using them well. And that's a testament to the misunderstanding and the, the bad reputation that journey maps have. And I do feel like in a sense, journey mapping, if not done right, can cause a bit of burnout. And I, I've, I've experienced that myself when you're in a never ending, probably loop of journey mapping and you're not seeing the change, you're not seeing the action, you're not measuring the impact. You can feel like a lot of wasted effort and expelled energy and excited teams to then fall flat. And that can be a cause of burnout if you're not doing it right. So I try to encourage everyone when you're doing journey mapping, have a clear goal, have a reason for doing it. Don't just doing it for the sake of ticking a box. Um, and then you'll, you'll, you'll avoid burnout in that way. And you will see change for your teams and you will see change for your customers. Mm -hmm. See, I'm still a massive fan, always have been, of journey mapping. But I agree with you, it is like one of a number of tools that can help you to uncover. I, I love it, especially for looking at Aziz's experiences. So mm -hmm. being able to exactly. bring people together, there's like another massive bonus of them through things like workshops to um, collaborate around a journey mapping framework where probably they're only responsible for a small part, but then being able to see that expanded end-to-end -end view um, around the other stuff that happens and like those light bulb moments when someone from finance is talking to someone from procurement and they're like, oh, look at this pain point. We could just fix that by like, you know, sorting that out together and like the immediate quick wins that can arise from that. Um, but I think you're right, like this kind of journey mapping overwhelm when they're being, well, the tool is being used with a far too like overreaching yeah. goal orientation. Like I'm a massive fan of just picking off like single journeys or parts of journeys to start with and really getting into the detail of a small manageable section. Um, obviously like my background working in kind of like big retail and stuff if you try to map the customer journey of like an in-store supermarket shopping experience and all the possible you know different variations that you could take through that you would drive yourself crazy in fact I think I did do that to start with I think I did like go down that path but you know being able to take something like checkout as a as an example and just to really focus in on a key part of the end-to-end -end experience and kind of figure that out um, is really beneficial. Um, but I always also, I'm a massive fan of future-facing journey maps. So being able mm -hmm. to kind of say, well, you know, that we've really understood what we do today, where the pain points are, where the opportunities to change things are, we can establish quick wins and we've got people together, got them excited about the prospect of improving customer experience. But like, even with Wix now, like, I'm, we're just constantly in this state of innovation of like test and learn yes. and figure out with things like onboarding, um, collecting up the lessons and going, okay, well, let's just like creatively design like a target experience based on what we've learned. And like we, we work in your express here all the time, figuring out mm -hmm. based on our learnings, these different configurations and building people processes and systems around those target experiences. Um, but I'm still kind of at a loss as to why, the reputation has got so bad other than like a bit like customer experience generally yeah it's been like it's, it's been taken as a term like you say you know catch-all for everything and then yeah. productized I don't know if that's the right word but like 
customer experience has kind of turned into a product that technology companies or other companies try to sell or big four consulting houses we have this thing called customer experience it's a product we'll come and do it and it will fix everything and I think journey mapping to some extent is the same um or like journey mapping that becomes process process mapping it's not (laughs) it's not actually related to customer experience at all and then like you said like the disappointment that when people have spent or invested a lot of money in systems technologies or consulting that hasn't delivered the outcome that was promised that it isn't a panacea customer experience isn't a panacea nor is journey mapping but that's the bit that's got a bit confused in in the middle what do you think yeah like where do you think yeah came from I think that's a big part of it in the productization of journey mapping. And I do see why different fields, different technology companies, they do a form of mapping certain types of journeys. Mm. But when it comes to customer journey maps, that's not necessarily what it is. So you will see some technology companies selling an out-of-the-box out of journey map. And then someone will buy it and then they'll say, oh, well. Or a, so- a software to do it, actually. <laughs> yes. And it's like, oh, you're done. You're good to go. You, you've got yeah. it. You, you're on your way to mapping the journey and success. And I feel like that's where it falls flat, right? It's like you're biting off a little more you can chew with blinders on. And it's sort of like if I gave you a pen and I said, okay, this is how you're going to write with the pen from the bottom end. And then let me know how it goes. Nice. You've given me the tool, but I have no idea how to use it. I have no direction and nothing's happening. Oh, these pens are a waste of time. I'm going to throw the pen. I'm never going to use it again. So I do feel like that's a lot of what's happened with Truly Maps. Um, And we've seen it, especially in the tech space, um, when it comes to seeing, oh, we have a journey map and it's actually a user flow or it's a process flow or it's a touch point map, which are all great things, but it's not going to accomplish your goals. So I keep trying to take it back to, what is your goal? And I think that that productization of journey mapping that you mentioned is absolutely one of the key reasons. And another one that we see a lot, and um, you know, a lot of customer journey mappers touch on is the fluffy aspect. It's just like you said, if you try to map every single thing, you may not get to the detail required to be successful. So it's similar to what you would do in the retail checkout experience, we've literally just mapped billing just Mm. billing reading an invoice paying an invoice Mm. and one of our maps in billing alone were 18 stages Mm. and people are like but it's three steps get the bill pay the bill get a receipt (laughs) and when you map it you you look at it sort of from this micro angle you do get into those details so I think that's another bad reputation is exactly that trying to do too much not clear on the goal you want to achieve not really clear on what the business's overall strategic alignment and and direction is because there are so many instances where there is some internal disconnect you have one stakeholder who wants to map a journey the rest of the business is on a mission to improving some other area of it and this journey is focused on another side Mm -hmm. we're saying let's the, the business is on a drive to you know, really enhance the delivery experience and we're over here mapping the billing experience. (laughs) Mm. So I think that so many different things that Mm. can probably cause this bad reputation, but I do feel like it is just the use of journey maps overall, how we're using it or misusing it, I should say. (laughs) The misuse of them, I totally agree. 
Um, and I think that is a really, really important point, actually. Like, what are you, what are you actually journey mapping, and is it in line with something that the business is trying to fix or solve or drive forward? And if it isn't, you really shouldn't be journey mapping that thing. It needs to be a priority organizationally and a priority in terms of actually having something to make better. Um, I know I like um, when I was like kind of doing the consulting side myself, like I was talking to a client I'd be like oh so you're kind of journey mapping where are you that and they were like well, look it's on the wall here's my journey map and like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like <laughs> but what actually how do you do with it or have you taken from it oh nothing like you know we just know what it is <laughs> um and having not you know used it to drive actual change and the, and the last thing and I my gripes um is you know the amount of investment that goes into the journey mapping tool or the journey mapping consulting or whatever means that there's no money left to actually fix the problems. <laughs> so yeah. I think you can actually do a lot with not much cash investment. Um, and, you know, I, on, on, when I was on the business side, literally I would just get these giant rolls of paper. We had a really great printer at our office. So I could like do them on Excel first. And it literally would be a case of post-it notes and this big piece of paper. Yeah. And we would you know, be able to take insights that were generated through things like the contact center and establish what the pain points are. And the team could take those away and then size them around. Well, how much is that costing us at the moment to be fixing constantly? And then be able to go back to the business yeah. with like, here's a business case for why we need to fix this experience. And that costs nothing. There was just yeah. like you know a, a, a positive will in demonstrating the value of bringing people together around a framework and doing that so yeah that would be my piece of advice for listeners make sure that the Agreed. investment is actually going on fixing the problems rather than identifying what they are so uh, what would your top takeaway for the listeners be then if you could give them like a one two three on either journey mapping or being women in cx like what would you like the listeners to leave with today well, I, I'd say because the topic today is intended to be around journey mapping, um, if you can join me next week at our masterclass, we're going to touch on three key things on, because obviously we're talking about why the bad reputation, but there's no problem without a solution. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about how to restore that reputation, how to do it a little better. Um, and that's around three key areas, which is your people, your action, and your outcomes. So there's so much to be had with journey mapping. And one of the best things we always say is that, oh, you know, we have a lot of clients that come to us and say, we want to really drive some customer experience culture. We want, we want this customer centric mindset. And we, we heard this, I heard this in another podcast and I use it a lot. And I say, you don't do culture. Mm -hmm. You take action that drives culture. Mm -hmm. And Journey mapping is one of those amazing tools that can be that culture driver, can be that mindset shift. And I feel like that is how you really get to that cultural shift and that customer centricity by doing those cross-functional workshops, bringing everyone along the journey and really seeing some change and driving some action and measuring some of those outcomes and seeing the impact that your teams can have and yes. avoiding journey mapping burnouts yeah I love that and yeah totally with you there like doing customer focused systems and processes like journey mapping is what changes your culture 
using journey mapping to make the systems and processes that face your customers more customer focused makes you a more customer focused company it's not a strat applying mm. or a vision statement it's action that really does uh just does change organizations to literally have customers at the heart of stuff not just say that they do so this has been super fun chelsea chatting to you as always um yeah if anyone who's listening wants to catch that webinar you can come and enjoy a seven day free trial of wix um and see chelsea's webinar or if you'd like to join us later uh, we'll actually store all of our webinar content in the women in cx academy which is available to watch on demand at any time so a little tiny plug there for women in cx community as well um so yeah that's it chelsea i hope you um have an awesome experience with your masterclass next week i can't wait to see it and yeah just thank you so much for joining us today <laughs> thank you so much for having me it's a pleasure and thanks to everybody who listened along at home as well that's it see you all next time bye <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Women in CX podcast with me, Claire Musket. If you enjoyed the show, please drop us a like, subscribe and leave a review on whichever platform you're listening or watching on. And if you want to know more about becoming a member of the world's first online community for women in customer experience, please check out womenincx.community and follow the Women in CX page on LinkedIn. Join us again next time where I'll be talking to one of our community founding members from Germany about the future of customer experience, Web3 and the metaverse. See you all then.